Okay. Grab a seat nice and quick. Grab your journal. Grab a pen. Let's see what God has to say to you through the story of Moses. Also, if you've got a Bible, get it out. If you would like to grab a Bible, there are some, I think, at the back. My group of friends at school who were, were my girls, they were kind of like, we did everything together. In, over a night, they decided to disown me. And more than disown me, they decided to bully me. Suddenly, all my security, where I found my worth, where I found my confidence was just gone. And you know what? Sometimes, ladies in the room, girls can be like the closest, right? But also, it can be a really hard place to find safety and really good, solid friendship. I'm not saying that the guys are any different, but I can only speak from my own experience. It can be a complicated thing. And I, there I am as a 13-year-old, sat on the edge of my bed, going, I've got to try and face this day at school. And in walks my mum. She knocks on the door. She comes in. We've just been hearing about Dan's dad and other people's uh, people of influence. Well, mum would be my person of influence. She walked in and she gave me a Bible verse. And this Bible verse said, Do not give in to worry or anger. It only leads to trouble. Those who trust in the Lord will possess the land and the wicked will be driven out. Right there in that moment from a book of Psalms, which is a book of prayers and heart cries to God, written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, God moved into my room and said, Liz, I know you. I know you so well that I know your thoughts, and only you know your thoughts, but I know your thoughts. He knew how worried I was, and he spoke through scripture and said, do not give in to worry or anger, it only leads to trouble. It's Psalm 37, for those of you that want to find it. In my translation, it was like a children's translation, so it can play out a bit differently, but it's a beautiful psalm. Write it down, go and hunt out what God has to say to you. My encounter was that. Suddenly, I was not walking down the corridor on my own. Suddenly, I didn't have to face it when the class would line up together and just stick their feet out to make you trip up. Anyone still? Is that still a thing? That was a thing when I was in school. I didn't have to face that on my own anymore. God knew me. But that was it. I wasn't like lying on the floor, like out in the Holy Spirit. I didn't start speaking in tongues or see fire on my head. I didn't even start dancing. That will be some people's story of encounter. But it wasn't mine. Mine was just quietly knowing there was a God who knew me. A God who knew my very thoughts. How did he know? How did he know that I needed to know that I wasn't on my own? This God was calling me to trust him in that corridor moment. This God was calling me to say, trust me, I know you, walk with me. And what was amazing was the encounter wasn't about me. It was about the one that I encountered. It was about who he was and how he wanted to change my life from that moment onwards. You see, there's this thing with the word encounter. If you actually look it up in the dictionary, there is an essence to surprise to you. And you will know, know him there in different ways, whether you hear him differently or people you know, speak to you in a different way. or you, like We all receive and hear from God in different ways. I know he wants to do that. I know he will do that. But what's really exciting is the encounters that will go from on from out of here. When on Saturday afternoon we leave here, the encounters in a bit more of an ordinary space, a bit more of a space where it's like, right, okay, God, it's you and me. That's when the story gets really interesting. 
These next few days are going to be special. But encounter doesn't stop when we leave these walls. Jesus promises, I am with you. The encounter continues and the story gets really interesting. And it's often in the everyday, everyday unseen place. We're going to be tracking through the story of Moses over these main sessions because he had these encounters with God that changed how he led, that changed his life. And it starts in this unseen place. So if you've got a Bible, turn it to Exodus. We're going to be sitting mainly in Exodus 3. But just to give you a little bit of context in Exodus 1, it's a time of great fear. The leaders that were leaders then had great power and great fear. And so they needed to control and stamp down. And the people of God were on the receiving end. They were threatened by the people of God. And so they became under great oppression from their leaders, all because their leaders were leading out of fear and and out of the wrong place. That's the context. Moses himself was born out of that time. And I'm talking about a kind of oppression here where all Hebrew boys were being murdered. That's the point when Moses was born, going against the tide, suddenly seizing life in this shaky, terrifying context. He was discovered, um, he was, it was it's so dangerous for him to be alive that he was, uh, when he was a baby, he was put in this little Moses basket and placed in the reeds. Some of you might remember this story from, from Sunday school times, but this isn't just a nice story. This is something that God wants to speak to us about today. Because he was discovered by the very oppressor's daughter of all people and cared for in the luxury of the palace. Seems like he had this kind of separated off chosen life, but was still a Hebrew. So he wasn't an Egyptian, but he wasn't a Hebrew. He was lost. He had no identity, no root. And then one day he sees his people, his Hebrew people being mistreated and something in him must have snapped. He gets involved, he tries to stop things, he ends up murdering someone and trying to cover the body and bury it in shame. Once again, fear, shame, terror, guilt, all that stuff is ruling his life. That's what we're seeing in this narrative. And so he runs. He gets out of there and he runs. And he runs and spends the rest of his life, 40 years, in this place called Midan, which actually is known as a dry and and desolate place. That's where, that's where the life-changing moment happened. In our world today, all the attention is on the scene place. It's on the headlines. It's on the movies. The views, the followers, the likes. All these different platforms, all these different spaces that are seen is what our world, our culture talks about, praises, worships, builds up. But God pays attention to the unseen. The scene isn't bad, necessarily, in and of itself, but it's rarely the place of transformation. It's rarely the place of transformation. My story began in my room and continued in the unseen place. Conversations between me and God as a 13-year-old as I walked the dogs, as I wrote in a prayer journal. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't living this kind of like holy life where I was walking everything out with Jesus. I didn't have church. I had no community. I just didn't understand it. I was totally on my own and I would never recommend that. 
But when I look back through kind of so many bad decisions in my teenage years and in my 20s, when I look back as moments where I literally thought, I remember first ever going to a soul survivor at 21, and I literally was like, my friend Nikki was with me, and I turned to her and said, I didn't actually know this many young Christians existed in the planet. I'd only met Christians that were, you know, fair amount older than me. I did not, I thought I was the only young Christian who lived. I'd met no one. When I look back at those moments, it was unseen encounters with Jesus that was actually shaping and forming me. I've talked about walking the dogs. I would just pray through my day, a bit like Joshua was talking about. When I went to uni, although I had no community, I still found myself placing a cross on my bedside table reminding me of where I've come from and of who I was. I would go, I was at university in Canterbury and they've got a big cathedral there and in the crypt, which is like this kind of basement under the ground, I would go and I would light a candle. My moment of an unseen space where God was speaking to me. And I remember I studied media studies and I was in, again, a basement. I don't know why there's a theme here, but it's a basement where there's like an editing suite with no windows. And at that point in my life, I was making some really bad decisions. That's where I had no support, no one to open up scripture or Jesus' way of doing, doing life. And I was making decisions that would hurt me and would hurt other people. And I remember sitting in that editing suite, staring at a blank wall for hours. And it was the Holy Spirit that was calling my name, was nagging me, was saying, Liz, choose differently, turn around, go a different way. I remember trying to have these conversations with God, but I didn't really know at that point that it was God, but it was in that unseen space that he was saying, Liz, follow my way of life. The scene space was very loud. Oh, do what you want, Liz. This is what the uni days are all about. You know, this is being young. You're not hurting anyone. It's fine. It was really, really loud and I could distract myself. But in the quiet, unseen space, the Holy Spirit is going to go through it. Really quickly. Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sights, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Right here, in this moment, God speaks. If anyone tells you that you've got to have it all together to encounter God or to lead or to to hear his voice, look at Moses. Moses was in that dry, desolate place. Moses was running and God speaks. What's amazing is he speaks through something that would have happened every day. Burning bushes in the desert are actually quite a regular thing, less so in Hammersmith. But for Moses, it was fairly standard. But if 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 you don't look carefully, you'll miss the gold. Because it was actually that Moses, it caught Moses' attention. Have a little look in verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. So Moses perhaps might have seen stuff like this before. As in, I wonder if God had tried to get his attention before, but he'd just not noticed. He'd allowed the distraction of the other stuff just to carry him on. It doesn't say it, but I just, I just wonder. Because it's the fact that when God sees that Moses is like, huh, okay, I'm, you've got my attention now. What's that? That's when he speaks. Wow. What would have happened if he just thought it was another burning bush and didn't pay attention to the fact it wasn't burning up? 
In the everyday place, things fight for our attention. Moses would have looked like sheep and flies and wondering what he's going to have for dinner and all other kind of random stuff that we don't know a lot about. For us, there's so many things that try and grab our attention. Next time you're in the everyday space, coming home on the bus, walking to school, I don't know, getting home, whatever it looks like for you, the everyday space can be quite boring. But what if you just said, God, do you want to say something to me right now? God, what do you have for me? What might be your burning bush? The things you always see. Oh, hang on a sec. God, are you speaking? Are you speaking? What if we gave him that moment? So Moses, what does he discover by giving God his attention? Wow. It ain't a three-point sermon all with the same letter or it ain't anything else like a PowerPoint slide or anything else that you have to sit through. God discovers a personal God who knows his name, calls him by name. This is not about what Moses can achieve. This is about who he is, Moses. When you're called by your name, you're known, you're seen. God knows you. God sees you and he calls you by name tonight. How do I know that? This is just a story from like thousands of years ago, Liz. Like what? what? Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So God is a personal God who knows your name and he is holy. He is far bigger, far more than we could imagine and holy. And this word, we're like, what does it even mean? Think about being set apart or special or even more. If you were to think about the sun, right? The sun in our solar system is unique, is powerful, And all the area around the sun is also unique and powerful because it's affected by the sun. It's a, a huge life force. And that life force is also dangerous because it's incredible power. If you get too close to the sun, you die. There is incredible power and life source to the sun. Almost like if you would like to say, holy, there's like this holiness, this set apartness to the sun. Well... In this moment with Moses, the power of life behind the universe is speaking to Moses through a burning bush. And he warns him, hang on, don't get too close, don't get too close. Respect the voice from the flames, respect the flames, don't rush in. God is pure, he is powerful, he is holy, utterly unique. This is a God that knows everything that Moses has done, the murder, All of that stuff, he knows it all. He called him by name and he is holy. I get, actually, I take great courage in the fact that God is not just like me, that God is set apart. He is powerful. He is holy. And he reached into my room at 13 and told me that he knew me and knew my thoughts. Just pause for a second. We can know this God who knows us by name and who is holy. For Moses, he said, don't come any closer. Guys, Jesus took on the cross all of the things that block our way to God. 
that because he is so holy, they would come in the way of him. And Jesus took that on the cross and died and rose again. So our response isn't actually, I've got to keep away. Moses hides his face because he's afraid. It's kind of like confession. It's like repentance. It's like, whoa, you're holy, God, and you're speaking to me? I'd be scared. But what Jesus did means we don't, we don't have to step back. We can step forwards. Whatever we have done. Moses was a murderer. Whatever we have done, good enough. That's not true. Holy Spirit. If that's you, if you've disqualified yourself, the Holy Spirit just wants to rest on you and tell you, I know your name. I know your name. Just let him speak to you. Come, Spirit of God. Just let him speak to you. You are not disqualified. Just let go of the bags that you've carried walking in here. Come, Spirit. He calls your name. There's a real peace. There's a real peace in this room. And it's from, it's from this place of peace, guys, that the most amazing invitation awaits us in these words. You see, it's in these encounters in these moments where we hold this God that knows us completely and is holy, that we find out that he wants to share with us who he is. He wants to tell us a little bit about who he is and invite us into an adventure with him. So let's take a look at verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up into the land of a good and spacious place, a land flowing with milk and honey. God, the personal God, the holy God, he sees. He sees. He hears. He cares. And he has come down. Right there for Moses, it's in the presence of the burning bush. But there's another story to come, and we'll get to that in a minute. But just a second, we like God cares. That's nice. Yeah, that's good. God hears. Well, I can, I can do that. That makes me feel good. Um, God acts. Well, I'm glad that God acts because, you know, he's come down, he's got involved, and he's talking about leading, to, leading his people out into freedom. Brilliant. But let's just check out what happens in verse 10. He says, so now go to Moses. I am sending you to Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. God sees, God hears, God cares. Brilliant. God acts. Yep, off you go, God. I'm going to sit back and click, you know, fast forward intro on my Netflix series whilst you go and act and you solve those issues for me in comfort of my own sofa. But hang on. God is sending, God is sending Moses. Moses is his big plan. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. 
Really, God, is Moses the right option? And Moses agrees. If you check out in verse 11, we just move on. This is story with Moses is actually part of our story. Because if you just look in the Old Testament, you will find stories of Gideon, of David, of Deborah, of people who were unlikely being called out and chosen and where God has seen and acted and heard and sends them. And they partner with him to bring about his kingdom. And then he saw, he heard, he acted in coming down once and for all in the person of Jesus Christ to show people who he was and who the name of God was in Jesus And he chose a group of people who did not fit the mold, who were not worthy of leading to go and change the face of the planet. And their their choices, their obedience, their moment to be used is why we're here today. And guess what? Today, in 2023, in the middle of this mad world that we are in right now, God sees, God hears, God acts, and God is sending us. He is saying to his church, rise up. He is saying to his church, I have seen, I care. I have, I have come down. I have given my church the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you'll come with me, if you'll take my hand, I will lead you in an adventure, in a journey that will bring about my way of doing things in the spaces that you find yourself in. But that's pretty daunting. And what's beautiful about encounter is it's not about me. It's about the one I encountered on my bed at 13. And Moses has that exact same moment. When we look into verse 14, Moses has just said, but what's what's your name? Who is it that's going with me? God says this really weird phrase. He says, I am who I am. That is who you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. I'm sorry, what? I needed it a bit clearer. That doesn't actually make sense in English, God. Uh, Did you not know that? It's not going to translate well. Well, what on earth is God getting at here? This phrase, the I am, is this sense that God is the root word in Hebrew is something I am not going to try and pronounce. Find someone who can and then come up on the mic and do it. But it's this root word that God always was, always will be. There is no gap. There is no moment without God. The great I am. This is about God's existence that he always was. But it's also in this point in Moses, in this point in Exodus, when all that oppression, all that struggle was going on, the actual root of the word was also talking not just about existence, but about presence. This is a bit like my daughter when she says, Mom, yep, you can drop me off um, and I can either watch her at the gate, walk into school, or I can go with her. She always goes, oh, um, in the car. She goes, no, it's fine. You can watch me from the gate. Then she's like, actually, mum, can you walk with me? I can watch her from the gate, but there's something about my presence that goes with her that gives her an ability to stand tall and to... This isn't about pressure. This isn't about assumptions. This isn't about having it all together. This is about a moment where we meet with him and ask him to come. Ask him, the God who knows your name who is holy. He is the one, that one, the one who threw the stars into space. That's the one talking right now. The one who took the cross. That's the one speaking to you right now. And he says to you, I hear, 
I see what's happening in your friends. I care about the mental health crisis. I, I know what's going on in your school, in your family. And I'm, I'm acting. I'm at work in your people. And I want to send you. I want to fill you. I want, and I want you to know I am God and my presence will be with you. I will walk in that space with you. And that reframes everything for Moses. That reframed everything for the disciples. And that reframes everything for us tonight. He wants to meet with us. So let's just give him some space. Spirit of God. The same Holy Spirit that fell on the disciples and caused a group of terrified guys to speak life and hope and to start the church and to face really, really scary persecution and to do things that they never imagined possible. That same Holy Spirit is here now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit.